Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. And welcome back. Thanks for being with us here on a Monday morning. As we talk about uh, health care in Alberta, the question, though, of how technology can be used to, to help with health care, uh, to help us understand not just what we're dealing with now, but what we might be dealing with in the future. As an article in The Star puts it, imagine a computer reading your health information and telling you your heart is aging faster than those of other people your age, or that within the next few years you could develop depression, that sort of thing. So a couple of uh, studies led to the University of Alberta using an algorithm to try to predict future health trajectories. So there was data used for this through the Canadian Longitudinal Study on Aging. So that collects information on biological, social, and other changes in about 50,000 individuals from 45 to 85 over 20 years. Uh, so one study, the team tried to develop a way of charting individuals' aging trajectories and then using an algorithm to predict the chronological age of people using characteristics in their blood. Second study, researchers predicted with roughly 72% accuracy which individuals had experienced the new onset of depression within three years. So there's still some, some work to be done here. But this is maybe what, what healthcare starts to look like down the road. Uh, joining us to talk more about this, very pleased to welcome in the program here this morning, uh, one of the professors uh, involved in this, uh, Dr. Bo Cow, professor, uh, University of Alberta, Canada Research Chair in Computational Psychiatry. Uh, and uh, as mentioned, I was a lead researcher on this. Uh, professor Cow, good to have you with us here. Welcome to the program. Yeah, thank you for having me. Can you hear me clearly? Yeah, we got you on the line. Appreciate you joining us here today. So, so talk a bit more about um, you know these two studies and and what it was you were seeing you could do. Oh yeah, so um, yeah, this is a very uh, we appreciate the opportunity uh, to use this uh, prestigious data from Canada uh, on aging. And uh, what we hope to do is uh, you know to use all this data and use uh, some what we call the machine learning algorithm. To summarize the data so that uh, you know we understand better about the complex uh, um, the trajectory of aging so as you may know you know aging may involve uh, in you know multiple things so we try to use this data and uh, the algorithm to try to see oh can we summarize it into some simple number to try to give us a sense uh, you know how people age so how does this technology work so once you have the data how does the technology interpret that? Um, so it's actually um, similar or one step further compared to traditional statistics. So we pull all the data together and we don't uh, you know, make a, a lot of a hypothesis about it. We actually let the data tell us you know, which one is more important you know, to predict the aging trajectory. But on the other hand, you know, if you, um, the limitation on that is that uh, this actually gives you the idea of how people age, but uh, you know it may not be directly associated with some of the uh, health conditions. Uh, you know, it's not like that sensitive to you know the specific health conditions. So that's why we performed the study. We developed this uh, aging trajectory, and then we see oh, you know, whether this aging trajectory reflecting some of the health conditions on some of the you know um, uh, lifestyle habits and other other things. So we basically we did a. Uh, uh, 
we develop the aging index based on this data, and then we use this aging index to see how this, uh, the, what we call the age gap, you know, like the, the difference between the predicted age versus the, the uh, individual's age, mm-hmm. how that, that, that gap is associated with some other health condition. Uh, the study that looked at depression and uh, did pretty good then, this algorithm, predicting with roughly 72% accurate uh, accuracy, individuals would experience a new onset of depression within three years. So how did that work? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so um, we actually tried to uh, use the baseline, uh, what we call the predictors or all the variables, to try to see whether we can use that information to um, predict or classify um, the future onset of depression during the follow-up of that uh, study. And uh, the accuracy you were talking about is, uh, was, uh, was using all kinds of variables together. But we also use uh, like different uh, variables, uh, including you know, some of the, you know, what we call the psychological skills or like relevant to clinical symptom skills. And we also use some variables other than those variables you know, to see what's the difference there. So roughly we are approaching around 70% of accuracy in general. So that is actually promising you know, for, for, such, uh, for such data. And for such outcomes, because we know depression is a quite heterogeneous and it's very uh, difficult to to predict. So I guess the question is, I mean, it, does this become commonplace at some point? Can we use this technology to, to you know, predict what problems people might be facing down the road? Um, um, not in the very near future, maybe not in the next couple of years, but we're hoping that, uh, you know, in five to ten years, we can at least use this type of uh, a prediction to to help patients, to help clinicians, to help the policymakers and stakeholders to assist them to make uh, you know well informed decisions. So they are still the ones who make the decision, the patient, clinicians, stakeholders, and policymakers. But uh, you know because this type of algorithm and this type of data, you know, it's very thorough. You know about uh, 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 the individual's uh, health history, so it may become a well-informed uh, decision assistant for, for those people. Right. And for that, I mean, th- for that to work or for that to exist, you need access to data. Um, you know, mm-hmm. do, do we already, are we already gathering all of this, this health data on, on all of us or, or what would we be drawing no. on in the future? That would have to yeah. change, wouldn't it? Good question. Yeah. So actually, no, because, you know, uh, this, this, so the data we are working on are totally de-identified. So we don't know who, are, who they are. And for, for, for this thing to, to work in the future, right, we need a very explicit consent. You know, for example, if, if, if someone wants to collect my data, I have to agree, okay, my data is being used in this way. And, uh, and, uh, and then, you know, like, uh, that's actually only one direction. But after you have the prediction, right, of, about your future conditions, um, I also have to have the consent that why do I want to know about it, right? Not everyone wants to know about it. So, you know, that's actually, we, we it's not only about like the whether we have the data or whether we have the predictive model, but it's also about okay, how we are going to use it, and uh, you know like who gets the right to know that, right? And how do we deliver those information? So that part is actually um, needs more work, you know, about the privacy, about the legal system, about how the health information is handled, and uh, we want to be like cautious about those things uh, before you know we just uh, directly uh, you know let let people know, oh, you know, we can predict it, let's, let's directly use that. So that's actually something we need a lot of discussion, you know, with different stakeholders here. Very interesting. Well, we'll leave there for now. Professor Kyle, thanks so much for joining us here today. Really appreciate it.